Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Bama Forever podcast. I'm Rick Morton, and joining me tonight is my co-host, Scott Moore. Scott, how you doing, buddy? Man, what is happening? Good to see you. I heard we got Man, a big game on Thursday. <laughs> We got a little, we got a little something coming up, right? You know, there's, uh, there's a little fun, a uh, little fun coming up with some football. We've, uh, we had an exciting day yesterday, being able to watch all the, all the uh, news come in from uh, National Signing Day, the, 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 the first National Signing Day, I guess. I guess we may have a little more excitement coming here sometime pretty soon, but. Man, we're going to get into it all. We're going to talk about it. Talk about We'll talk about the Rose Bowl. We're going to break down Michigan. We'll talk about uh, National Signing Day. And uh, just, buddy, thrilled to have the opportunity to, to be able to sit down with you and visit. Before we get there, we're going to hear uh, from our friends over at uh, Sarah Hyundai. And so let's, uh, let, let's, let's check out Sarah Hyundai. At Sarah Hyundai, we're not just another dealership. We're an active part of the community. We work hard to be a respective and helpful addition to Central Alabama. Our work supports the community through donations to various organizations and programs that help those that are in most need. So remember, the next time you need service or a purchase of a vehicle, come to Sarah Hyundai, the ones who give back. Sarah Hyundai, serving the community for over 30 years. It's Sarah Hyundai. It's Sarah Hyundai. Scott, you guys have been busy over there at Sarah Hyundai, hadn't you? <laughs> yes, end of the year. I, I had never been part of the end of the year in the car business till this year. So, uh, man, 2024 is coming quick. So, you know what that means? Got to get rid of a lot of vehicles over the next couple of weeks. So, in particular, after Christmas, things are going to get really, really crazy over there. So, a lot of people want to buy before the end of the year is here percent financing for 60 months is available a lot of rebates on vehicles so man come over and see me give me a call at 205-902-1732 and uh, we'll get you put into a new car we'll even buy your car from you as well we offer a free appraisal that's good writing for seven days so even if you don't do business with us we'll still cut you a check for your vehicle and so i want you to know all the things that we can do for you at sarah hyundai in trustville alabama well, that's awesome. Well, man, when uh, when you haven't been at Sarah Hyundai, one of the things you've managed to eke out a little time to do is uh, spend a little bit of time checking out the Michigan Wolverines and get ready for uh, you know for the Rose Bowl. And so, what uh, is you know as we kick off and, and start talking about the team that the Tide's going to face, uh, what stands out to you about Michigan? Well, their their offensive line is. Is, is really good. Uh, they they are they run the ball extremely well. Uh, they're they're not explosive on offense, although they've been pretty dominant. Uh, has a lot to do with who they played this year. Uh, but listen, I think the last what uh, thirty games that they played, they're they're twenty eight and two, and so only losses to Georgia, and and the in the loss last year to TCU in the playoffs. So they've they've got back to back regular seasons where they've gone undefeated. And that's hard to do in college football. And so uh, they know how to win. And uh, But, you know, it's going to be a different challenge with Alabama and what Alabama does well. I think Alabama's got better athletes. That's not that's not being a smart aleck or anything like that. Alabama's got better athletes than Michigan does. So uh, Alabama's got more team speed. 
more athleticism. But Michigan likes to grind it out. they got Blake Corum, a 5'8", 219-pound junior, who's been a battering ram. Not the same guy this year that he was a year ago after that injury. Uh, probably has lost uh, maybe a step. Still a guy that can go the distance, but they're going to try to hammer you three, four, five yards at a time and, and get it at third and short and go from there. J.J. McCarthy has been a very, very solid quarterback. Uh, some would say spectacular in the Big Ten. So he's going to have his hands full with Alabama's rush hands. I think Michigan's offensive line, too, is down uh, to – his right guard, uh, Zach Zinner, suffered a serious leg injury against Ohio State. He will not play in this ball game. So they had a patchwork, the offensive line in the Big Ten title game. So their tackles, I think, might can be had uh, in pass blocking. So if Alabama can stop the run, at least slow it down where Michigan's sitting there at third and five and, and third and six instead of third and two and third and three, then Alabama can kind of dictate what they need to do. I don't think the wide receivers at Michigan can get a lot of separation. You know, the Big Ten coaches were uh, very vocal in an article by the Atlantic earlier this week saying they didn't think Michigan could beat Alabama, that the consensus was among the coaches that Michigan didn't really have anybody at wide out that scares you. Alabama's got the best cornerbacks, best I think the, the best safety in college football as well. So that tied secondary with Malachi Moore, I think, is the best in the country right now. So if you force Michigan to throw it, uh, where are Michigan's points going to come from? So, uh, you know, I, I, I think the, the matchup is, is in Alabama's favor. And I think uh, it's going to be a tight football game. It's going to be a black and, and blue type game. Mike Alabama, you know, these are the kind of games that Alabama uh, – Matches up well. They're they're another version of Georgia, I think. They just don't have the perimeter speed Georgia has at wide receiver. I don't think they got the home run backs collectively. Georgia's got. I would compare their offensive lines favorably. But that Michigan offensive line, a little banged up. And the tackles, can they be had by Dallas Turner and and uh, the other rush ins by Alabama, Chris Briswell, and the other guys that Alabama's going to bring pressure, especially from safeties and corners as well. Yeah, that's the matchup that, that I'm looking forward to. And I, and I think it's right now clearly in, in Alabama's favor. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with you. I, I think, um, you know, there may be some things that, that we see from Michigan, a few wrinkles that may actually, uh, you know, cause a little bit of a problem. There's certainly going to be different than things that Alabama's seen up to this, you know, this point in the year. Um, Scheme-wise, one of the things that, you know, we've talked about a little bit before off air, but, is Michigan tends to do some pretty interesting things with their offensive line. Um, they're you know they're they're doing spin and pull action where they're coming uh, on on the same side of the ball uh, with you know with pulling offensive linemen as opposed to to crossing the ball and and really trying to get their angles that way. Um, that's that's going to be that's going to be different um, a bit than you know than probably anything else that we've seen. Um, and and you're right. I think with Blake Corum, we're not you know, we're not so concerned with the fact that uh, he's not going to spread the field. He's not going to be a guy that's going to take it to the edge. They're gonna they're gonna try to run between the tackles. They're gonna look to try to create some creases, try to create some angles uh, with their blocking schemes. And and they're really going to be you know sort of set up. And it's it's three four yards in a cloud of dust. And and that's the way that they're going to try to to 
play the ball game. They're going to try to control the line of scrimmage if they can. They're going to try to control the clock. Absolutely. They don't want Alabama to have the opportunity to be able to let this game get out of hand quickly. And so the best way they can do that is by having a, a methodical game plan, really trying to, you know, almost from the beginning of the ball game, I think, take the air out of the ball to some degree uh, and, and really try to try to slow the pace down. I, I think the, the one thing that really gives me some hope with regard to, because, you know, we, we saw in the Iron Bowl that uh, Alabama was somewhat, you know, we we showed that we were vulnerable to the run, but we were vulnerable to the run in a team that was that was doing a lot of motion. There were a lot of there was a lot of eye candy going on, and and the fact is that most of the reason that we had trouble with the run in the Iron Bowl was but was because uh, of over pursuit. And so Auburn actually used our athleticism against us, and and really you know once. Uh, once our guys began to figure that out and and once the coaches began to settle them down a little bit uh that you know that really kind of took care of itself and and so three man yeah. line too i mean we had three down linemen a lot of the times in that ball game and and uh that that's not going to be the case against michigan bama will play with four down linemen uh, it'll be a big lineup in there for them three linebackers uh, three guys that can rush the passer uh, yeah. Because you 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 can you can get out of the nickel defense, which Alabama played primarily against Auburn, and, and go against it. Listen to these sizes real quick, Rick. Here, tight end is six five two fifty. The offensive, the their guy their guys go six three three sixteen, six five three sixteen, six five three twenty, and six eight three zero five. So, you know what? In this day and age, it's a little lean, honestly. Yeah. Uh, can you compare it to Bama's offensive line, which is the biggest in the country? College or pro at at six 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 three fifty, so you're giving up some size there. Alabama's played against bigger offensive lines this year, including Tennessee, including the NM, and including you know what we saw in the SEC title game as well. So um, you know, can Michigan move Alabama out of the way when when Bama's in you know in a four down lineman? It's going to be hard. I really do. It's going to be really really difficult for Michigan to do that consistently in a 60 minute game. Yeah, I think, you know, McCarthy is is he's super accurate as a passer and and so, you know, the, there may be some opportunities, but I don't think they're going to be many um because of what you said. The fact is that they're they're really not that athletic on the outside. There's nobody that's necessarily scary. There's there's not a there's not really a single matchup problem when when you look at their uh you know what they have on the perimeter. I I think um you know that McCarthy he may run the ball a little more than he has there you know there were some rumors that from about the midway point in the season that he was hurt had a you know a bit of a leg leg injury that slowed him down um i think the reason you know a lot of folks are are kind of thinking this is not going to be a challenge at all. And they've looked at his passing numbers through the second half of the season and extrapolated that to, to think that's going to be indicative of what the Rose Bowl is going to be. I don't know that that's the case. Um, and I think, I think he didn't throw the ball because he didn't have to throw the ball. And, yeah. and so they're going to have to, and I think we're going to put them in a position where they're going to have to throw the ball a whole lot more than they have. I think, it, I think there's going to be a lot of third and six, a lot of, you know, third and seven kind of stuff. If, if we do what we should, 
with the front seven, we, we should keep them behind the sticks a little bit. And I just don't see them having the success. I, I think you're right. I think it's going to be a bruising ball game. I, you know, it'll probably be close uh, all the way into the, you know, toward the end of the third quarter, maybe even into the beginning of the fourth quarter. But, but I think eventually uh, our athleticism, the, uh, the big playability of our offense is, is going to, you know, is going to dictate that. And I just, I don't see the ability right now on the Michigan offense that if, if we get it rolling and, and are able to, you know, to string a couple of touchdowns together, if we're able to get a three and out or two and start to get on top of them, I just don't see them being able to play in a track meet. Um, so it could be over a whole lot earlier than that. And I'm not discounting the fact that it, that it will be, uh, but I don't expect it. I, I, I really do expect that what we're going to see is we're going to see a game that's, that's going to be predicated on, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of work in the trenches, a lot of, you know, a lot of Michigan doing everything they can to slow the game down and to keep us in a, you know, kind of keep us in a straight jacket. And, uh, you know, outside of perhaps a crazy special teams play or something like that, um, I don't think, you know, beyond the end of the third quarter, you're going to see them really, you know, be in it at all. Well, what do you think about the other side of the ball? Well, Michigan's defense, first of all, it, it, it's number one in uh, a lot of major categories. I think Penn State finished one overall, uh, you know, but I think those are skewed numbers. But Michigan's got the number two rushing defense in the nation, number one uh, defense in the country uh, against the uh, against the pass, number one defense also in the, in the, in the nation. Uh, totally number one points as well they're giving up only 9.7 yards a game or points per game which is you know uh, it's it, you know that that's kind of landmark numbers the last time somebody did that below 10 points per game was Alabama in 2012 mm-hmm. and so you know the Michigan schedule again they played three top 50 offenses all year Maryland Penn State and Ohio State in their 14 game schedule so, you know, I think you got to consider that. Alabama, meanwhile, has, has played nine top 50 offenses this year, including three of the top 10, and, uh, and won all those games by, except the Georgia game, by double digits. So, um, Michigan, Michigan's got good depth. Their defensive line's big. It's active. But they don't, you know, two years ago they had Aiden Hutchinson, he was one of the best pass rushers in America. You know, Will Anderson had more stacks than he did, but he went uh, very, very high in the draft and is a very, very great player. They don't have a guy like that over there. They don't have a Jabril Peppers in the secondary. They got active linebackers. They'll strike you well, and you can go sideline to sideline. But, again, the overall speed that you see against a, a Georgia defense, a Tennessee defense, a Texas A&M defense, it, it's not there. They, they remind me a lot, if I had to compare them, to Texas A&M. Who had three studs on the defensive line? They were great against the rush. I think they were number one in the SEC for a while, and, and then Georgia kind of jumped in there. Tennessee did as well. So, Bama's seen defenses like this all year. I think it's going to help them. The problem for, for Michigan, hadn't seen a guy like Jalen Milrow because they don't have a guy like him in the Big Ten, <laughs> nowhere to be found, right? They also don't have receivers like Alabama has now. Listen, we can criticize Bama's receivers for 
for a lot of things, right? But one thing mm-hmm. Alabama's receivers haven't done this year is drop big balls. Uh, yep. In big games, big catches, 50-50 balls this year. Uh, you know, Burton's gone and got them. And listen, 17 has been spectacular here lately. And, uh, he's done some done some wonderful things. And so um, I think Bama's receivers are coming on. The, the question is, who is going to be the third target for Alabama that, that gets open? Ja'Cory Brooks is no longer there, although he, he didn't play a, a lot of minutes this year at wide receiver. He's a good special teams player for Alabama. But, you know, who's going to who's gonna be that third receiver? Is it going to be Amari Knobloch? You know, is it going to be one of the young guys that, that steps up? Because people get better when you have this bowl practice this extra two weeks to get ready. But I think Alabama feels pretty good right now about two receivers. It's tight end and, and then backs catching the ball out of the backfield. Jam Miller, we saw what he did. Uh, he was open all night uh, on that little – on that little hook, you know, on the little route coming out of the backfield. And uh, so we'll see what happens. I don't think Jason McClellan's going to play in this ball game. And so it'll be more Moreno Williams, more 26, maybe 22, get some some reps as well. But I think Alabama's in good shape on the offensive side of the ball, especially with Jalen Moreno's legs. I think it's going to be a big difference in the ball game. Yeah, I was I was actually sitting here fishing because because uh, I dropped my notes down here in the floor, and uh, but but I'm going to go from memory and say that I, I think you know I went back and looked at the the uh, defensive strength of the teams that Michigan had played up to this point, and uh, I think the average uh, defensive rank for a Michigan opponent was right about 86. It's like 86, 85.3. Um, and, you know, and you hear that and you go, OK, well, maybe, you know, maybe there are several teams that are that are skewing that. There really aren't. <laughs> and when you when you look at, you know, the opponents they've played, even, you know, even across the Big Ten, um, really outside of Penn State and and Ohio State, there's there's not a ton of quality there at all. And, you know, in their conference. Schedule. And yeah. and so I think, you know, you you have to factor that in big time. And, you know, into any assessment you're going to make. It was interesting this morning, uh, was actually listening to Mac and Cube this morning and Jalen Milrow was on there and they asked him a question this morning about, you know, who did he compare the, uh, the Michigan defense to? And he made the comparison to Tennessee and, and really, you know, and, Honestly, I think that, you know, I know you, you pointed out A&M, but I do think Tennessee is a really good uh, comparison. You know, great across the front, um, you know, solid in the front seven. I had a lot of sacks this year, especially the quarterback. Yeah, yeah but, but really not, you know, kind of inspiring on the back end. And, and so, you know, I, you know, I think, again, I think this is going to be one of those things where they've never seen anything like Milrow. They have they have nothing that indicates they've got anything to you know really bring to the party um, to you know to face him at this point. Um, it's not like you know it's not like they're going to have a, a a January surprise and there's you know there's an edge rusher or somebody coming in or an all world all world linebacker that's gonna that's gonna do something that they haven't been able to do this year. I just don't see it. And, and I think, you know, again, it may be one of those things we, we have to factor in that this has been a team, um, especially the first half of the season that started slow and with a, you know, with a 
three and a half week layoff coming into this ball game, it's not unreasonable to assume that they may start a little slow again. But all in all, I think the big playability of the Crimson Tide is going to obviously be the thing that's going to going to really you know dictate this game. And I just don't think Michigan can keep that bottled up for very long. And and so the longer we go in the ball, I went back and watched the Texas game. Yeah, I went. I went back and watched the Texas game last night. I didn't want to. I uh, I flipped it over on the Longhorn Network, and it was on. And honestly, I tried to put that one out of my mind. But going back and watching it, and and seeing the progression that Jalen Miller has made from from that game, and honestly, Texas, Texas is much better. Than, than Michigan as well. Bama had two turnovers, had two touchdowns, callbacks, still put up 24 points, uh, over 400 yards of offense against Texas in, in week two and, and still lost the ball game. But watching Jalen Milrow in week two to compare to where he was and down the stretch in, in really big ball games is, is really no comparison right now. So uh, he, he's getting loose. He, he can, you know, he can outrun defenses. He can, Get first down. They can move the move the chains for you, and I, I think Michigan's going to have a really difficult time trying to 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 keep him collared, even even with a spy, because I'm not sure Michigan is going to have the athletes, honestly, that, that LSU had when they went spy, when Georgia went spy, and, and Georgia spied them with a couple linebackers who who you know we know Georgia's linebackers are pretty good. Maybe, a couple of my first team all Americans. So, and, and Miller was able to run away from them in the second half. So, you know, uh, but we know this too, you know, when things get real obvious to you in a bowl game and we can we start going, well, this can be a hard game. It's going to be yep. a really, really difficult, hard game because Michigan knows how to win. And when you know how to win, like they've been accustomed to over the last three seasons, uh, they've got one of the best records in America the last three years. Only only Alabama and Georgia have won more ball games than Michigan has in the last three seasons. But they're in the Southeastern Conference, and we know how difficult that is. So, but this team knows how to win. Jim Harbaugh, we say we want about him, but he's he's a dang good football coach. Anytime you beat Ohio State three times in a row, that that, that can t- kind of tell you there because Ohio State has had better athletes and. Michigan has the last three years. They've had better quarterbacks, better receivers, better defensive backs, better defensive personnel. But you know, Michigan has been able to beat Ohio State now three straight times. And we know we saw what Georgia had last year, uh, and when there's another national title, but their toughest game last year was Ohio State in the Peach Bowl. Yep. So we've seen Michigan rise to the occasion against better personnel and still be able to get the W. So, you know, I, I think this is going to be a fourth-quarter game. Can Alabama pull away late? I, I hope that's the case. And uh, But I, I think this is going to be a, a knockdown, drag-out, slobber-knocker, <laughs> saddlebag ball game. And, but I also think that kind of game favors Alabama. I really do. Hey, man, we wouldn't want it any other way, right? Like, the, the, right. the fact is, I mean, you know, I heard somebody say the other day, this is a great helmet game. And it's this yeah. is you know this is the kind of stuff. I mean, in the Rose Bowl, who would you rather play than than a Big Ten team like Michigan? Um, you know, two classic programs. I think this is a great way for the you know for the for the fourteen playoff to to go out. And uh, yeah. 
think you know. I think we. I think we feel great about our chances at this point. But um, we're probably a lot like the players at this point, and that is, we just want to get it on. It's time. Uh, yeah. we, we've been too long to wait at this point, and uh, and so you know, we'll do do we'll do our best to hold our water and get ready. And uh, and man, so while we're doing that, and while while we're trying to to wait and anticipate, we might as well take advantage of the fact that. You know, Christmas is coming here in a couple of days, and, uh, and and we've got a chance to to get ready and kind of finish our bowl preparation. And one of the one of the ways we can do that is by uh, grabbing the rally towel of the Crimson Tide, the Title Towel. So let's uh, take a listen to a commercial here from our friends at Title Towel. Introducing the Title Towel, the ultimate rally towel for every Bama fan. Brought to you by Whitwell Sports, your one-stop shop for all things Alabama. Our Title Towel is not just any towel. It's a symbol of your Tide pride. Wave it high, wear it proudly, show your support for the Crimson Tide like never before. And here's some exciting news. The Title Towel is a proud sponsor of the Bama Forever podcast. As a special thank you to all our Tide fans listening, you can save $1 per item at WhitwellSports.com by using the code TWO at checkout. The title towel, because true Tide fans know it's not just a towel, it's a tradition. Get yours now at WhitwillSports.com. Roll Tide. Well, man, as we think about, uh, you know, National Signing Day and kind of the first uh, the first opportunity here to, to get most of the class and kind of get the hay in the barn, uh, we didn't really, you know, we could wave the title towel and be excited. We didn't need it to wipe the sweat because there wasn't a whole lot of sweat yesterday, uh, and not really, not really a ton of surprises. A couple of good Christmas presents along the way, uh, but you know, but the fact is, uh, Saint Nick delivered another fantastic class. And so let's break yeah. it down. Talk a little bit about uh, about the guys that we got. You know where where we are. How you know how how you see it stacking up. So what uh, what jumped out to you about this class? Well, you got an elite quarterback. Uh, Julian Sayan is a, a, a he's a stud. Uh, as Coach Bryant used to say, stud when he said talked about Joe Namath. Uh, <laughs> listen, uh, a lot of people are like comparing him to Bryce Young. He's bigger than Bryce, uh, and honestly, probably has a a little bit more stronger arm than Bryce did. And uh, and, and the size he's got six four, about one ninety five. Uh, some people say he's over two oh five right now, but he'll He'll be plenty big enough when he gets, you know, gets through a fall at Alabama and all season workouts and, and all those things. But you know, he he knows that uh, he's going to come in and and be a backup next year to Jalen Milrow, and then he'll have two years to hopefully, you know, fend off some other guys. And uh, Bama's quarterback room is really deep. We'll see who ends up sticking or, or getting in the transfer portal. There's a lot of speculation about that, but I don't think we'll see if that happen after the spring so again when you have an elite quarterback you're going to get elite receivers and Alabama's got a great great group of receivers you know led by Ryan Williams we talked about him a lot he's the best high school prospect I've seen in the state since Bo Jackson um, that's not hyperbole hyperbole it's, it's the truth uh, just a phenomenal athlete uh, you know just turned 18 and so reclassified. Uh, everybody's worried about his flirtations with Auburn. He's a kid having fun. He's coming to Alabama. Book it, <laughs> bank it. He's not going to Auburn. So we can get off the message boards and people can, can, can quit worrying about that. Uh, great athletes on defense. A great secondary class that Nick Saban went out and got. So 
Bama's going to lose a couple of great defenders on the, in the secondary, a couple of rush people. But, man, go back to last year's class, too. You, you've got some studs that are coming up that just didn't have a chance to get on the field this year. Yonze Pereira, who is a tremendous defensive end out of Eufaula, Alabama. And, and then Keon Keeley, who I think is going to be an absolute star when he gets a chance to play uh, that rush in where number 31 like uh, Will Anderson had. So Bama's got a lot of people from last year's great class, a lot of people from this year's great class. And so, and again, Nick Saban's already hit the, hit the home run in 2025. They got the number one class in the country with 10 commitments already. That should hold serve. Bama's going to load up next year. So what we're saying here is that Nick Saban has retooled and gotten Alabama back to where it needs to get. And the next three years for Alabama are, are going to be, I think, as good a, as good a times as we've seen in the Saban era. And, uh, and it starts with recruiting. There's not a better recruiter in America than Nick Saban. Kirby's done a phenomenal job. Give him credit. But Nick Saban's done this over 17 years and has been consistent in his performance time and time again. And look, Bama was fifth or sixth just several weeks ago. They closed great and get a consensus number two class. Georgia's probably going to stick at number one, but I think Alabama fans and Alabama people should be really happy with this class. Did, did you meet your needs? Yeah. You met your needs in the transfer portal with LT Overton, and then the other stuff as well. High school players, high school talent that Alabama can develop over the next several years. It's a great class. Tons of athletes, tons of speed, tons of athleticism and a lot of size. Maybe I'll look for a couple more offensive linemen. Maybe you get for a couple sure. in the transfer portal, or maybe you sign one or two other guys as well. But other than that, phenomenal class. Absolutely phenomenal class by Alabama. Got to be happy about it. Yeah, you know, I think um, I, I'm pretty high on uh, on Casey Poe as an interior offensive lineman. I, so I think, you know, we, did, we didn't do badly in this class uh it, it there's just not there's just not a ton and and so we got you know a little bit of quality um i i agree with you i think we're gonna probably see the tide go out into the you know into the transfer portal and and we're probably gonna see uh i would think a couple of offensive linemen is gonna be the goal um you know the the truth is that um you know you look around and and you kind of check out the landscape of, of the things that are, that are happening around. And, um, you know, Nick Saban continues to be the king. <laughs> he continues to, to run a program that, that has the ability to get, you know, the pick of the litter. Um, we, you know, we have, we met every need in this class. Um, it, we continue to have, you know, an embarrassment of riches. Uh, Julian saying is going to be fun. And and I, I think you know I think your assessment of him is 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 well placed because um, I do I think he's a I think he's a bigger kid I think he's a he's a great athlete uh, all the film I've seen on him I mean he can make every throw at this point uh, he's you know he's a he comes out of that same seven on seven Bryce Young kind of you know kind of mold and and so I think he's going to fit very well into what we're going to you know try to do in the future the the great thing is is it presents another scenario where he's going to be able to sit behind uh what's likely going to be a, a Heisman trophy candidate coming out of the gate next year and uh and you know and and so we've 
you know, we've got the opportunity to see him uh, probably not be pressed into service, have a chance to, um, you know, put a little more weight on that frame, have a chance to, to get adjusted to college life and, and all that. And I, you know, I, th- I think it's going to be, you know, that's going to be fantastic. We, uh, you know, one of the things kind of coming in that was probably a deficiency to this class that we were maybe a little bit concerned about was, you know, was running back. And um, lo and behold, that got addressed along the way. And, uh, you know, it, and and Alabama was able to bring in Kevin Riley, um, which was not a huge surprise to anybody that was keeping their finger on the pulse uh, of things. But but I think in, you know, as we're as we're certainly I mean, we're losing two backs that are that are guys that have been, uh, you know, at the forefront for us. We've got we've got three solid backs that, uh, you know, I don't think anybody's going anywhere and and have have a good running back room. I still think there's room for one more running back in this class, whether that comes in through the transfer portal or whether we're able to get one more, uh, you know, one more high school signee. But, uh, you know, all in all, it really kind of feels like, as I said in the beginning, the, the haze in the barn. Um, we've you know, we've kind of seen the tide be able to, you know, compete or complete this class. And uh, and that really bodes well uh, for, you know, for beginning to think about uh, 2025 um, and, you know, and and really kind of begin to look to the future uh, toward next year's high school class, which we're rolling into. Um, really with a with a pretty significant lead in in next year's signing class and Alabama's you know Alabama's out on the front uh you know out on the front edge of the things that are happening in the future and so yeah I think again that speaks well to what we've said uh all along that you know the folks that are that are calling this the the end and the swan song for coach Saban are probably not paying a whole lot of attention to what's to what's happening out there and what's you know what's being uh, created over the horizon because the fact is um, he's brought in a great class he's got another one that's shaping up and you know looks fantastic over the horizon and all that speaks well uh, of the fact that that we're gonna you know hopefully get to do this for a few more years and uh, and and get to get to enjoy the the status quo so. Well, man, let's uh, let's take a take a moment and hear from another one of our sponsors, uh, Roll Tide Jerky. Uh, Roll Tide Jerky is uh, part of the NIL initiatives for offensive linemen here at the University of Alabama, and uh, they've been kind enough to come on board and be part of the show. And so, uh, let's uh, let's hear a word from them. Exciting news for all you Bama Forever podcast listeners. Roll Tide Jerky is a proud sponsor of your favorite podcast. And here's a special deal just for you. Visit RollTideJerky.com and use the code TWO at checkout to save 10% on your entire order. That's right, exclusive savings on your favorite jerky. Best of all, a portion of every Roll Tide Jerky sale goes to support NIL efforts for the Crimson Tide offensive line. Fuel your passion for the Crimson Tide with Roll Tide Jerky, the perfect snack for any Alabama fan. Don't wait. Head over to RollTideJerky.com now and stock up like a true champion. Roll Tide Jerky, taste the victory. Man, we're excited that Roll Tide Jerky's come on as a part of uh, the Bama Forever podcast. Uh, they uh, they will do a 10% discount on your entire order. They have some pretty incredible boxes that they can put together with uh, 
you know, with Yetis and T-shirts and jerky and, you know, kind of all the all the trappings and all the trimmings. And so head on over to RollTideJerky.com and uh, and you can tell them we sent you by using the discount code uh, TWO for Tide World Order for the podcast network that we're a part of, the Tide World Order Network. Well, Scott, as we uh, as we wind up and uh, and get ready to to call it a close for tonight, uh, man, you know one one last piece of uh, news that's kind of happened in the last twenty four hours was uh, was the late night last night with uh, with Arizona in in basketball, and yeah. uh, you know we don't have to take a long time to break that down, but but to say. Um, Man, I'm gonna tell you, I was pretty disappointed last night after staying up that late just to, you know, just to watch what we had a, had a chance to watch, and uh, and I I think that uh, yeah, it's getting a little bit hard to stay optimistic at this point, and you know, after uh, after three really tough losses to three great teams over the course of the last you know eleven days or so. Well. I think Nate Oates had. A, I know the uh, the rankings and all that stuff. The net rankings in Alabama is, I think, tenth in net rankings right now because of you know who they've lost to, where they've lost to them, all that stuff. But uh, you know, the the thing that worries me about this team is there's there's a lot of standing around on offense. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one guy dribbles around, tries to create a shot, and there's a lot of bad shots being taken by this team. And guys that typically have shot the ball well in the past aren't aren't shooting the ball well at all, especially against some some really good teams. But you know the schedule was brutal. Uh, you know I know it's going to benefit Alabama next year, and, and you know you can probably get in the tournament. My question is, how far? Can, can this team go uh, in, a, in a tournament situation? Uh, uh, last year, one bad shooting night, then you're out, right? Mm-hmm. So they've got to figure out a way to score the basketball other than taking threes. You, you, that's the only only criticism I got about Nate, uh, with Nate Oates. This guy's won two of the last three SEC titles and tournaments. So, you know, but we're, this, this is constructive criticism. I love basketball. You do. Most of the people are going to want Watch this podcast, loves it as well. A lot of standing around. Uh, yep. You can't beat good teams when you can't create shots. And when you have chances to knock three down, you've got to knock them down. They hadn't shot, they didn't shoot the ball well against Purdue. They didn't shoot it well against Creighton. They certainly didn't shoot it well last night against Arizona. And these are three excellent teams. Creighton got beat again last night by, by somebody. Uh, mm-hmm. That was a little bit of a shock. But you, you know, you're not going to win games on the road against good teams when you can't make shots. <laughs> and so well, when you can't make threes, you got to figure it out. And also the inbound play. Why has Alabama have not learned to inbound the basketball in a decade? <laughs> I don't understand that. No, that's a clear. I mean, why can't you create a play to get somebody open on the inbound play, right? I don't know. And- and- get out. The you know the thing is at least we're consistent, right? At least we're consistent. We you know we can't inbound inbound the ball to save our lives, but we haven't been able to do that two coaches back or you know any anybody in the last five recruiting classes. So at least there's there's a level of consistency. 
I think, you know, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, you know, people focus on Nate Oates and, and what happens on the offensive side of the ball as, as the key. Um, the defensive side of the ball is the, is the key to everything. And, you know, and I think I said it over and over and over again, they're just not playing with a level of intensity. And, and this, is, this is by far the worst defensive team that we've seen Nate Oates coach. Um, he's got to be about to pull his hair out with, you know, with this team. And, and so now you're seeing that lack of intensity begin even to creep over on the offensive side of the ball. And it's, it's, it's really beginning to, you know, almost become, you know, their identity to some degree. Um, you know, I'm going to say it and I, you know, I know we try to be really positive on the show. And so we try to look for the, for the good, bro, I've got to say, if Aaron Estrada does not get taken out of the starting lineup, that's the point where I'm going to have a bone of contention with Coach Oates. And I realize he's the he's the coach that's won two out of three SEC championships. You know, he's the guy that that you know that's taken us to a couple of um, you know a couple of Sweet Sixteens. Like I, I, I like I believe in this guy, and I think he's the he's the right man for the right job and at the right time. I love him as a coach. Yeah. He's got to get this figured out. And for the yeah. life of me, I mean, I'm starting to scream at the television a little bit because because a lot of the crazy dribbling around and and the bad shot selection that that's happening, it's. Estrada is is sort of the leader and the main offender of that, and and so, you know, I, yes, the threes are not falling. It looks at this point like the the rims are bent, <laughs> and we're yeah. you know we're we're playing we're playing on that hoop that I you know that I grew up playing on out in the you know out in the driveway that was uh, you know you had to shoot from one side and not the other because because you were never going to get the roll. But, um, you know, it, it's just it, it's crazy to, to see. But at but at the end of the day, I really believe if they if they were able to pick up their intensity on the defensive side of the ball, I think the offensive side would begin to come around. And and you're right. It, it there's a lot of um, there's a lot of lack of motion. There's a there's a lot of just lethargic play. And man, that better get better. Before we get into league play, because if it doesn't, this yeah. this season be bad in a hurry. It's an old, it's, a, it's an older team too. I mean, you got several transfer seniors that are in the lineup, but there's, I, I still, I still think they're trying to figure out who the leader is on the team. You'd think that yep. guys over there last year would be leaders, and I think Mark Sears is a leader to some degree. Rylan Griffin is a leader to some degree, but you don't have an alpha right now on yeah. the team. And uh, Bama had a couple of them last year. But, uh, you know, listen, uh, you're starting to get compared now to, to, to a couple of great teams at Alabama. It's great that the, the tide is elevated. They're recruiting well. The future for Alabama basketball, new arenas on the, on the side as well. And, you know, top, top ten recruiting class next season's coming in. And so the future's great. But uh, after last year, uh, you know, everybody got really invested. In that yep. run yep. last year, we thought it was going to end in a, in a Final Four, and Bama's still trying to, to to get that piece of the puzzle handled. But uh, I think the lack of intensity, like you just discussed, and the the, the lack of offense 
mm-hmm. everywhere else right now. And man, there's just no post presence and no rim protector. Uh, and Charles Bediaco is a, is a big miss right now. Frank, you understand why he did what he did, but man, uh, that was a, that was an enforcer and he's on this team. Now you, you probably, it's probably a whole different record right now. And so and I think when Bama made the schedule, they were thinking probably have angry Chuck on the team, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. It, it's just, it, it's got to get better. You know, what they've lost five of the last six now. And so you got to get it fixed. You got two non-conference games left. Go, go win those, and uh, and then get ready for what's going to be a really difficult SEC schedule this year. Yep. And you know, and at, and at this point, I think uh, we just got to we got to wait and see. And uh, and yeah. and so I'm not I'm not getting down to the point that I think you know the season's lost or anything. I don't want to I don't want to start panicking. But I but I do think man, we really need to see some signs of life. And, and so I hope, um, I hope Mark Sears will start to step up and be more vocal. Um, I, I think, you know, he's, he's led to some degree with his play and, and he's tried to kind of will this team to, to be able to step up and, and, you know, play with a level of, of heart and, uh, it's not happening. <laughs> his, his, uh, you know, his example is not the thing that's pulled in the train. And, and I think at some point, a guy who, who really does have the credibility because he's been there, he really does have the credibility because he's, he's led the team in some really tough moments. Um, I, you know, I think he's probably going to have to get into some guys and, and he's going to have to reinforce or somebody is going to have to step up and reinforce and, you know, and, and be the guy that helps pull this out of this team. And, and so time will tell, we'll see, um, yep. you know, not, not the greatest uh, midweek that we've had in a long time. And so maybe a little bit of a layoff here. Um, I mean, you know, we've got, uh, we've got the game, uh, what tomorrow, I guess. Right. Is that right? Mm-hmm. No. Yep. Yeah. Tomorrow. Yeah. There's one. Yeah. There's one again, and and one more non-conference game, and, and then then we'll we'll get ready to roll. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe get uh, you know what should be an easy win in tomorrow night, and then uh, a little bit of time off for Christmas, and come back and play here in the CM Newton Classic, and and you know maybe maybe there'll be a switch that'll be flipped in the in the next couple of nights. We'll see. Well, partner, it was great to see you. Great to be with you. Um, enjoyed all of you being with us. Thanks for thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us for our first time live on uh, on YouTube and on X. And we're gonna we're gonna continue to do that. We're gonna expand the platforms we're on. Um, we promise we're gonna try to get on a regular night and uh, and be able to do that so you guys can predict and plan around us. But uh, but just bear with us for a little bit as we're trying to get all that sorted out. But we're really thankful for everybody that's chosen to join us and to be part of uh, this new effort for the Bama Forever podcast. And so um, we're, we're glad that you were here and we will look forward um, to being back with you uh, next week. Have a great one. Roll Tide. Roll Tide, everybody.